Today's episode goes hand in hand with last week's episode with Manny and Alexis. Only this time we are hearing from more incredible voices. Retta, Jordan, Nathaniel, and Adrian will each be owning the space and taking the time to tell us about their experiences, thoughts and feelings, as well as give us the tools to be better allies. We will be joining our listeners again as we hand over this platform so we can listen, learn, and reflect as we unlearn racism and challenge others to do the same. We fill it. So you'll spill it. What will it be tonight? Red or white. A Zana blender burgundy. Drink wine. Spill tea. All right, so now we're going to chat with my good friend Jordan Kess. Hey, what's Hello. up? Hi. So Jordan is a current senior uh, musical theater major at SIU. We actually only went to school together uh, for a year, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was my freshman year, and then you graduated. Right, right, right. But two years after I graduated, we did Mamma Mia together, so we still got to have our little our little bonding time, time that summer, and we had so much it fun. It was fantastic. It was yes. so much fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan, you know, same deal. We just want to we want to hear from you and we want you to uh say what you want to say and we're just going to sit back and listen and learn from you. So whenever you're ready, take it away. Yes. Thank you so much you and Jamie for this opportunity. First of all, first off like that this is so cool. I never it's good to it's good to see people actually caring and like acting on that. Um, and using your platform to lift our voices is amazing. So thank you. Um, like you said, I'm a senior in musical theater at SIU. Um, and to be very honest, like, I'm just scared. Like I, I'm not one, I'm not fearless, but I'm not one that's scared very easily. And during this time, it's, it's been very, very scary. Um, cause it's just like, everywhere you look, everywhere you go. Something that's really sink in for me, something that's really sunk in for me during this time is the fact that like, like me having to look at the people, my friends, the people I'm surrounded by and really have to sit and think like, can I trust you? Like, are you not racist? And I hate that I have to go through this, but it's the truth because you can see that I'm black. You can't, I can't see that you're racist type thing. And it's just like, it's a scary thing to have to question the people that you have worked with and that you care about, especially in like the arts, because you have to be so vulnerable and you have to open yourself up um, to a lot of different people. And some people can take advantage of that. And I'm not excited to have to deal with the conversations going back to school because frankly, I'm tired of them. I'm, I'm, it's annoying at the fact that we have to talk about this. It, or I won't, it's, I won't say that, it's annoying at the response. Everybody's responding like this is some new, like this is some new stuff and it's not. Like it's been like this for years and years and years. So the fact that everybody is just now like, I've awoken finally, because you had the privilege and by privilege opportunity to not have to deal with it at all. And I feel like that's what, 
something that's really interesting is like when you tell somebody that they're privileged, it's automatically like this, I don't know, it's like this just jarring reaction, but basically like having a privilege is just having an opportunity that I don't, that I am not, you have opportunity that a lot of people don't. Um, it's not a personal attack on you. It's not your, and, it, and I hate when people are like, well, my parents are just rich. It's not my fault. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my goodness. And like, it's not about it being your fault. It's just you acknowledging that you have an opportunity to do something that a lot of people do. And in this case, it's an opportunity of life or death. Like you have the opportunity to get pulled over and not think about dying. Like there aren't a lot of people who feel that way. A lot of black people are very, first of all, we're taught from the ages that we're four and five that we have to interact with, with the police a certain way because they have done this over and over and over and over again. Um, and then even when you do everything right, we've seen we've seen how it played out where people just don't, where they still end up losing their life. So along with, um, so like with that, and then where I'm at at school, I love SIU, but I mean, we've had our issues. There's currently a petition going around for one of the students to get expelled because he's a political science ma major and was found saying the N-word over and over. And he was like, if I ran for, ran for president, I would kill them, them, them as in the N-word off. Um, I'm misquoting a little bit, but that's the general gist of what he said. So it's just like, we're still, even where I'm at with school and all that stuff, it's just still scary because um, you just never know. You just never know what can happen. Every day it's something new. People are being burned in their cars. People are being hung in 2020. I could not, I'm already, I'm already traumatized, I will say, just from, because I don't, Black people can't even die in peace. We die on Facebook Live. We die with our videos being perpetuated all throughout social media. It's like we can't get anything, anything. Um, and then our dying moments are like usually us running away or begging for our lives. It's uh, it's such a thing. And it, and it definitely, I feel and I empathize. I've, I've been like this always. I feel for people, but just seeing seeing those people watching actual people's deaths i feel oh my god the fact that like we people have experienced this and have seen these things and are just like okay well you know what was he doing like what is wrong with you it's crazy it's so so crazy so when i asked my friends like how do you feel about this stuff it's not just I'm not doing it to be mean. I'm doing it to protect myself. Um, I have to because there's no the police who are supposed to be the protection of the people are not protecting us. They are the perpetuators of the violence. So it's like I have to I only I only have me out here and I really do feel as a black person during Corona, during this time with all the police brutality and all the protests and the movement uh, for Black Lives Matter, I feel alone, but I also, I feel alone just because I'm a black person. So unless you're black, you're not going to understand. Um, every black person has a different 
situation within this time like my it's all, it all, it's all like related to each other but me and Alexis and Manny's experiences can all be like completely different and the people after me can be completely different it is and I just don't like how people are as black people we're just clumped into be this stereo like we're just whatever we were told that we had to be if we don't do that then it's like uproar and it's just like how do you think that you can control people's minds for forever and not think we're going to catch on and then and then have like manny said in the last time when we catch on and we're furious about the evil that you've done you are like well you shouldn't be that angry about it huh like <laughs> it, it, it's crazy it's crazy but I do know, even with all that being said, I do know that there are a lot of people um, around me who support me, like you, like Jamie, like a lot of SIU alumni and current SIU students here, a lot of my friends from the contracts that I've worked from high school. I know that I have people that are fighting for me, but it's still, it's just scary because at the end of the day, I may not be able to the reality of a black person in America right now is that we may not make it to tomorrow. And that and that that in itself just lays a weight that if you still don't get it, I I'm sorry for you. I am. <laughs> it's it's just you're you're somewhat of a lost cause at this point and I hope that you can come see the light, but if you can't we can't waste our time trying to fix you when there are a lot of people who are willing to do the work that needs to be done in order to fix this issue. So like, like the saying is like people are saying now, be on the right side of history. And if you're not, then, oh, well, but, <laughs> um, so I'm scared to go back to school, but I'm also very excited to go back to school because I am the president of Africana Theater Lab at SIU in our theater department. And that is like the black theater outlet. Um, we are the, we are the black voice in theater. Um, I've been the president for the past two years. I'll be going on my third year and I'm excited because we now finally have an opportunity to actually do something. Um, for the past two years, it's been so hard to get people to get together. It's been so hard to get people interested because it's just not something that is appealing to a lot of people. It's very hard to get people. It's even not, not just like student, like not just like the white students and the white and other races in um, our department, but even the black people, like it's just hard to get it to correlate. But I feel like in the time that we're in as artists, going back to school, we'll finally have a platform and have our space to speak and say and just live um, or release. That's a, that's a good word I want to use. Release um, everything that we've had to just like hold in during Corona and quarantine and all this stuff. Um, so we plan on doing showcases. We have fundraising ideas. Please stay tuned because I'm like revamping all the social media and all that stuff um, for ATL. Um, and I want like the alumni and anybody 
in the community, anybody in the world to see just what we're doing, just to know that like change is happening, even in the places that you would have never heard heard of in your entire life. Like I never thought I would ever be in a place called Carbondale, Illinois. <laughs> but um, change is happening here. A lot of big things have happened here in this somewhat small town, um, but it's home to a lot of people who have come through SIU. So they all know that like the people who have left and the alumni and all that stuff, they all are looking to see what's happening and how it's changed. So I'm happy that I get to be a part of that during my senior year. And I'm excited to see what changes we make in the department because I have, well, right as of right now, I'm the only black BFA in the musical theater program. We don't know about the incoming freshmen, so I may not be, but just even right now, not only having one black person is very uncomfortable for me. And me being the only black person is very uncomfortable. Cause like I said earlier, I know that when we get back, people are going to either, and I know it won't be intentionally, but it's always good to, like, like you're doing, you're trying to give a platform for people to speak, but sometimes there's a time and a place for it. There's a way to go about it. You guys are doing a fantastic job at that. And sometimes educators just do it to say that they did it and don't really do it intentionally so that there's um, a good message or that you actually get something out of it instead of making me just stand up there to say that you gave me a platform, but I really didn't like, just like a token or like a show person, I can already feel it coming on because yes, people are still learning, but at the same time, it's, it, it just, uh, uh. <laughs> I just, I just know it's going to happen. Even though people are going to not try to make it happen. It is, it is what it is. And I just hope that I, I know that it's coming. I hope I can handle it the way that I want to handle it. Even with everything going on, I'm still scared to say no because I don't want to look like the angry, resistant Black woman. Even though I have every single right to be angry and upset and to feel the emotions that I feel right now, I, I'm still thinking foresight. I'm still thinking um, like hindsight. I'm still thinking about if I go outside today, how to not bring a, attention to myself in a negative way because they will basically kill you for anything at this point. And it's it's not fair. It's not fair that I have to do that and other people can just live their life freely. And I just don't want it to happen anymore. But I will do it for the sake of the cause because you can't talk about it and just tweet about it and post about it. It's very passive. I want to be a part of the action. I want to make sure that I leave um, a capstone of some sort uh, at SIU for being able to start or leave like this moment in time, be a part of this moment in time and like the history of history. <laughs> I really hope that even after I graduate, I hope that the industry that I'm going to has changed because there have been a lot of things that I've had to do um, that I wasn't comfortable with. And, um, but you have to do it just for the sake of not being labeled as difficult to work with so that you have a job. 
And it's not fair that I have to exploit myself or you ask me, um, CJ, you were there for this summer, but I had to get braids for one of my roles. <clears throat> and then we were doing Mamma Mia. I was asked to get braids and then we were going to work my hair into um, the rest of the shows for the season. And being, I don't feel like the director who asked me to get this hairstyle was really aware of what he was asking for because it came to times when I was dancing and my braids were down to my butt. So I'm like, I have two feet of like hair swinging left and right that I have to get around in order to do the choreography that I'm told to do. Um, and then I would get chastised for it when my hair hit somebody. And it's like, okay, but a white girl with a, long, with a two foot long ponytail, it wouldn't be a weapon. It would just be, she has long hair and she's, oh, she's whipping that bitch. Like she's getting it. To be stopped in a rehearsal and chastised for a hairstyle that was asked of you by the director who was chastising you, and you can't say anything, like you just have to say, okay. It, I will never, ever forget the that feeling. Um, there have been other times where we were, I was doing a show and we had a costume where we had to wear tights. We had to wear skin tone tights. My tights were the color of coffee, and I am a caramel color. So obviously, it's not going to match. And we brought it to the designer's attention, and he was like, well, the lights will change it. Okay. And it didn't, because the production photos showed that they didn't. And it's just like, it's, it's not just enough to have a Black person on the stage. It's not just enough to have Black people in your ensemble. It's not just enough to do a black show it's not just enough to have one singular black show that caters to the black experience and not cast black people in anything else for that season and only expect them to do the black show like we we see through it and you and it's when we and then when we talk about it and when we bring it to your attention it's i mean we have to look at the casting pool so we can't do that much i mean it, it, but it's like, and so they say that, and then the hypocritical thing about it is that when you take a fictional character like Ariel, the mermaid, and when Chloe was Chloe from Chloe and Hallie were was casted as that, um, the backlash that she got last summer was so ugly and so there. I remember seeing just like it was literally like every single thing that they viewed black people as like it was Ariel, but she had dark skin. Um, she had big teeth. She had a wide nose. There's a piece of chicken, like watermelon next to it. Like, and it was like her on the rock while she's like singing um, part of that world. And it's just like, that's how I'm like, the girl who's playing the world doesn't even look like that. So you just, you automatically have this, this image in your head. And no matter how many people you encounter, how many people, because even if as a white person, you don't grow up around black people, you have access to an internet source where you can look up and see all types of black people. Like, and you don't even have to go to, you don't even have to research like Africa. You can research like Illinois and see how many black people and what black people look like in Illinois. It's just like, we as black people, we have to do so much, so much research and so much practice goes into preparing 
how we walk into a room, regardless if it's an audition, a job offer, a party, a restaurant, Target. Like, it doesn't matter where we walk. We have to mentally, and it may not even be like, as a Black person, we sit down and we're like, okay, we have to do this, that's the end, third. But it's like subconsciously taught and there's like a subconscious Rolodex that tells you everything that you have to do in order to be a part of society. Um, and we have to do all that work to prepare for us just to walk in the room and you can't even take the knowledge to, you can't take the time to acknowledge um, our presence. You're not gonna hire somebody that has a name with apostrophes and all that stuff because it's too hard to pronounce. But you're managing a like two hundred and fifty million thousand dollar budget. Like I don't like it's just like how it's it's a choice. It's a choice at the end of the day. And I just want people to choose to do the right thing. Um, it is okay to not know something that you didn't know before, and it's okay to not know an experience that somebody else went through and it doesn't mean that what they went through is not right just because you didn't go through it that's like you guys asking me for my opinion and i tell you my opinion and then you say no like what sense does that make um you just have to be willing to listen and be open the way that you make black people be willing to listen and be open to your stories and any minor inconvenience that you go through whenever um, you go through something in life. Just, if we, we're asking for reciprocation. If we really, like, I hate the fact that Black people are being um, portrayed as such a violent community because if we really wanted, we're asking for equality. We're not asking for, like, I don't think people really understand that, like, we're asking for equality. And we're not asking for revenge because if we were, if black people were coming for revenge for all the stuff that had happened, the world would be looking very, very different. There wouldn't be peaceful protests. There wouldn't be all that stuff. And it's like people are so committed to trying to perpetuate a stereotype that is obviously null and void. Like it's not the truth, but because you, because the truth would make a older white, a, a white person of an older generation have to tarnish like 50, 60, 70 years of life. Um, you decide that, no, I'm not going to ruin my memories because that black person um, was murdered. Like he had, like, it's just like, I don't, I don't even know how to word it, but oh, I just, I just want the world to get better. But I'm very excited that I get to be a part of that once we go back to school. Um, corona, having to sit in the house and not be with people um, physically. I've been with people virtually, but it's, just, it's not the same as when you're like actually around your people and like you're in your little just space. <laughs> um, I, with, with that being taken away and then only having social media and when I scroll like every single day, it's a new story about something. Um, it's, there's so much in the world. And now that we have all the free time to ignore or like to see it and all that stuff, I know it's affected me and I've had to take breaks. I encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you need to take breaks, it's fine. Um, 
I was actually, I'm actually talking to a counselor right now for some of the stuff that's going on. And she told me that, um, how do I want to say this? Basically not, there's a difference between not being informed, um, and choosing to be, uh, ignorant there. Cause my thing is right now with everything going on, it's like, I want, because I want to help. I want to have as much knowledge on the issue at hand, but at the same time, it's only hurting me more because I'm going searching for the things that um, are hurtful. But it's like I'm it's like I'm putting myself through pain in in the name of a good cause, but um, it's only doing me disservice in the end. So I really have to learn how to take breaks and just step back. I'm trying. I'm still addicted to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but um it is worth it even if it's just an hour a day just step away from it just get away because it is traumatizing and it's not fair that we have to watch our people get killed down in the streets and then also see in the same breath or the same thumbs because you can't whatever <laughs> in in the same instance you see people commenting under it like but he must have had, like, he had to do something. He had to do something to deserve it. Nobody deserves to die at the hand of somebody else. Um, I don't wish that on any, I don't wish that on my worst enemy, if I had one. I, nobody deserves to die at the hand of somebody else. Um, and the fact that the world, that's actually like a, that's a conversation right now. Like, we're having to explain people that, like, people shouldn't die just because they did something wrong. And it, uh, 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 uh. I just, I just, I hope that things get better. I hope that I can inspire people to do better. Um, and I hope that I am doing a service to all the people who have lost their lives to police brutality. Um, all the people hung, all the people just fighting for their life. All of my ancestors, like it, it's, I just hope I am, I want to do it for them. I want to speak on behalf of all those people who are voiceless now because they lost their lives to injustice. I, 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 right now, I feel like we're living in that, you, you remember that video of um, Kim in the ocean and she's crying because she lost her earring. And she's like, oh, hey, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and then Courtney was like, Kim, people are <laughs> like, I feel like. 2020 is that and if i had any last words i would say don't be kim be a courtney. always be a courtney <laughs> always be a courtney <laughs> and that's that on that that's why i have that on that that's that on that i love that <laughs> well thank you so much jordan thank you um, i thank you i guys. love hearing from you and uh, this is a hard time, but I'm I'm glad that I get to see your smile and just that, Yay. you know, you're doing awesome things. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for this, CJ. Thank you for thinking of me when doing, thank you for doing this. And then thank you for thinking of me when doing this. This is amazing. And I'm so excited to like be a part of the series. Of course. I cannot. Yes. Perfect. And uh, really quickly, do you want to shout out your social media so we can all follow you? Yes. Um, my social media is Jordan Kess, J-O-R-D-Y-N-K-E-S-S. -S. That's it for Twitter, 
uh, Facebook and Instagram. And then on Snapchat, if you want to follow me on Snapchat, it's j.kess, K-E-S-S-S-S-S. S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-
um, because it was quite a doozy because I ended up staying there for four years. Um, so I was, I did three summers in a row and then I did a fall or sorry, I did two summers in a row, then a fall. And then I went and did my internship in Detroit, which was like, great. Love being in a city, love being around other black people. Um, and then I came back and did a summer and a fall. And then this past year, year 2019, I served as an education coordinator and box office manager. So I was there for the entire year. Woof. Um, so we'll unpack all of that later, but I kind of just want to talk about like the, the, the lead up to all of this. So growing up was different for me because like my family was like a very, I don't want to say like renowned, but well-known family in our community. Like everyone knew my granddad. He was like one of the most famous like choir teachers at the high school. And like, so everyone knew my family. And so like I had everyone around me. Yeah. It was like, I was around black people plenty, but I also had a lot of white friends. I had a lot of Hispanic friends. Like my life, my life has been a rainbow for most of my life. Um, so everything was very like, because of that, I think um, a lot of subtlety got past me of like racism that was happening. And um, I think back to when me and my, my mom would talk and she would just be like, you need to be careful. You always need to be careful about this. You always need to be careful about it. And I didn't really get why I needed to be so careful up until high school where I would hear blatant things. And I was like, oh, that's what my mom was talking about with my white friends when I was younger and all those things were happening. Um, but in high school, um, especially when I started getting more into theater is where this like, um, it was where it was ha uh, the, like hammering the point of this, uh, you will not be this because you are big and black. Like you, the, you are not these roles because you are big and black. And that, and I never, until like college, I never understood like how problematic saying that to someone was, not just because of black, but like always making sure you're including big is like pushing the stereotype that black people are um, daunting and this like very overpowering presence and they always will be and they can never be seen as a different light because of that, because you are physically appearing this way. And I didn't realize how damaging that was to myself as a person and a performer until I was getting into college. And then my professors were saying the same thing about like, you will never be this or you can never sing the song because why would you even want to like perform it or learn it because you're big and black and you're big and black and you have these roles because you're big and black or you're funny and big and black. And it's like hammering this and hammering this and hammering this and hammering this. And this is all you're saying. You're, this is all you're hearing. It's not because like, because the thing about it is like, my voice type is opposite of what big and black and what those roles are yeah because i'm like this like high tenor that sings like yeah i have a loud voice and i like never can sing quietly and that's just what we get used to um but it's like the the t these tenor roles that yeah i can probably sing is not my type and I can never be played by this and I can never play this and it was like, just quite damaging until I started to fight back against that um and then so that was that and up until college now college <laughs> um for those of you who are aware uh me and CJ went to Southern Illinois University Carbondale and um the campus of Carbondale was this semi-hub of like yeah you know there are like some conservative some rural people there you know it's in southern illinois you're gonna expect that 
but it was very clear when you stepped out of this hub. Yeah, it's like as soon as you step off this campus, it is very clear that the local, the local surrounding areas, it is very clear very clear that those people did not want your kind there and they are not willing to support your kind and that was just a very weighing energy that i underestimated until um a very like horrible incident happened to me um so on march 28th 2016 so this was the spring semester of my junior year um i was at a bar called sticks which is no longer with us R.I.P. Sticks. Um, just kidding. Fuck Sticks. <laughs> um, but um, so I was actually uh, surprise, surprise the DD that night. And so I wasn't really that drunk. I was just there, you know, throw ass, have a good time, shoot my shit, whatever. And, <laughs> and um, I was trying to go back in to get my... Um, to get my friends that I drove and tell them that we were leaving. And a person that worked there, but wasn't on the clock was not allowing me in. He was, he worked there as a bouncer previously. And so he was just standing at the door with his friends and he was not allowing me in. So I said one time I was like, I was like, dude, you don't even work here. Excuse me. So I pushed in and then he like stopped me again. And I was like, don't put your hands on me. You don't work here. And so then I like started to get a little bit more forceful because I was going to push by him because I'm like, you can't, you can't keep me out. Like, like I'm, I'm going in to get my friends. Like I was just in there. And so the third time I try, I then get pushed down a ramp or pushed down the ramp that's in the back. And then I get up and the first hit I get, um, was to my temple as I hear the words like, fuck you faggot you can't get me and so that concusses me and then by the time i like can kind of get because i'm like seeing five of everything at this point i get another hit to my jaw i get another hit to my chin and then i get two more hits and then by the time um that hit happens or those series of hits happen my friend davy busts in the circle and pulls one off of me and then i push the other one away and i can run away and so davy's hitting one manny who was on the last episode grabbed a car boot off a tire of the car and starts charging at the other one so he runs and um and i just get to my like get to my car in a haze and i'm like what the fuck just happened and uh, this is and this is right after we returned from spring break. So we've been back to school for like less than a week. Um, and I'm also in a production of Tartuffe right now. And so I get through one day and I'm like, okay, like something like this doesn't feel good, but like I just got hit in the face and fucked on the time. So like obviously it's not gonna feel good for a couple of days. And so then, um, I am, my, uh, director tells me to go to the doctor just to make sure that like me <laughs> talking for a whole play, because I, I was, I was one of the leads. I was Oregon, if y'all know the show. Um, and so she wants me to go to the doctor. And so I go to the doctor and he then informs me that I, um, have had my left mandible broken in half and my chin is fractured and I am going to have to get plates in my jaw. So with that, 
I call my mom and we talk and we're just like, okay, like what's going to happen? She was like, well, you need to come down here to get, like, you need to come back home to get the surgery because like, all right, like <laughs> you just, you should probably be home for this. And I'm like, agreed. So I get home and then um, I talk to uh, my director and I tell her like, hey, I'll keep you updated on what the healing process is. And she was like, great, we're not going to make any decisions about changing castings. Like hopefully it'll be fine. And then I get the news that um, I am, uh, uh, I will have to have my jaw wired shut for three weeks and then um, like on a soft food diet for a month. And so the show is going to go up in a month and a half. So they had to pull me out of the show. And that was that. So to now dial back to what happened that night with police, um, they show up on the scene and I have like five witnesses for uh, like what just happened to me and like how I was like unprovoked in all these things. They informed me that if I wanted to press charges that they would have to arrest me too because of some city ordinance with bars um that it's more he said she said even though i had five witnesses and my jaw was broken and their hands were bruised like nothing was happening to them and i wasn't fighting um and so i was like well i am not gonna go i'm not gonna be detained um so i just wait to like wait it out and everything and then um during my healing process um so i was in back in champagne me and my mother call the police department to follow up with the police report to see um, what we can do about a civil suit. And um, the officer informs me and my mother that they lost my police report. Lost. Um, and so unfortunately, um, no legal ramifications happened to the two men. But plot twist, um, this is just kind of like a, one of the ways of like the world working out for me one of the few times <laughs> our head professor um happened to live next door to the family and they had raised their kids together for years and so when he found out the name he did his thing that he does um and uh they reached out for an apology i didn't want to talk to them i did not owe their conscience being cleared for what they did um and so i just kind of like left that and let that go but that was just like a nice like okay so you know and you got held accountable by someone and that was great and that was like at least something but that's the thing of like i always um am struggling with as of late with what's happening today and like i kind of like am now recognizing is like i am a very strong person and i'm a very strong friend for a lot of people um, but with the influx of what's happening with everything right now is that um, I was asked to coddle a lot of white people and to hear how hard this was for them and to hear how how exhausting and how tiring the world is and the energy and the weight of the world. And a lot of these white friends knew that I have been victim of these sorts of crimes and I escaped with my life, unfortunately, as many, many, many other black people have not. Um, and so it's just like, and it was, and it's just because it's routine for people to lean on me and for people to lean on black people and for people to, and not even like take into account that like they're, um, 
that that it's not about them and it and it can't be about you right now and you have to be okay with that and it's time for the world to finally start changing where it is not about you all the time and it should and it should equally be about everyone but it is not about you right now and you need to recognize that and you have to be okay with that because nothing is going to change and you're going to still feel this feel the weight of the world you're still going to feel sad and tired all the time because guess what like I know for a fact, me, myself, I'm done shutting the fuck up about it. And I know many black people and many white allies and many people of color and every, like a lot of people are getting on the same page that we're tired of shutting up about it. And we're done shutting up about it. Protests are raging on and policies are being pushed and um, petitions are being made and GoFundMes are being like, we're, we're tired and we're done. And so it's, um, it's just like it it's that that is what I can like hammer home is that it's not about you and it's not going to be just about you anymore. And so give up that mental picture in your head because that's not how it should be. And that's OK, white people. That is OK. That is OK for it not to be about you 100 percent of the time. You will be OK. I promise I've lived 25, 25 years of life with it barely being about me. Welcome. Um, and to that, I say. You can never underestimate the power of just being there and just showing up, especially for your Black friends right now. Like I heard in the last episode of just Manny Alexis talking about how they had to reach out to question some of their closest and good friends of why they have not seen anything, social media, and social media is not the only way of activism, but it is a societal convention that is being very pushed to the forefront of how our society activates now. And regardless of that, you do have a phone and you can reach out and check on your black friend. And if your black friend is reaching out because they are hurt that they haven't heard from you, that is a problem because, and then if you proceed to use the excuse of, I'm just so tired and I'm taking a step back from the world. And this is just blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. It, like, <laughs> and that's, and that's just simply what it is. Um, so, and to that, um, and this is going to like get back into Alpina and this is like, cause I'm going to say it again because they said it a lot in the last episode and I think it's so important is that you can't be <sighs> frustration is naturally going to happen with change because you, as human beings, we hate change. And that is a, a very different brain thing from being angry with the person that is bringing change. And how I say this relates to Alpina is that, um, I, uh, my second summer, we did Oklahoma, and um, I took a very, 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 very big leap um, in trusting my company and my artistic director to play Judd as the only Black person in the company. I took a very big risk. Um, and unfortunately, um, the risk taught me a lot of lessons, but it was the lessons that I wish I would not have learned in that process. Um, in table work, I was greeted by many of the white women in the cast telling me that I can't make Judd about race. Um, they were telling me that this isn't going to be a race show and, um, we can't bring attention to it. We shouldn't bring attention to it in this conversation because it's going to make the play about the wrong thing. And, um, just basically like, all in all telling me how Judd was going to be viewed and how I need to make sure I play him so that doesn't get hammered. And that should have been red flag number one. 
<laughs> for me to just like pull pull out of it because um, I wasn't going to feel supported or protected. Um, but I fought through. And so on opening night and continuing, I mean, like it was like it was a it was a rough process. I was also the choreographer. So uh, I <laughs> so I was just exhausted <laughs> um, because it brought up a lot of um trauma for me of just being falsely accused of very horrible things and how that happens to black men all the time in a very very horrible situation that's personal and like i wouldn't even get into that because it's not important but that happened to me in college and then um ended up being like brought back the same summer i did oklahoma and that was just suckish um but opening night um in the midst of what i can't a horrible thing to say, but I can't even remember which police brutality death it was that summer, but a big one just had happened like a week before. And on opening night, every, if you don't know, uh, Judd dies um, towards the end of the play. And um, as my body was being dragged off, the audience laughed. Um, And that was one of the most like, like, I can't put into words like how disgusting that was. Um, it's like not even not even for like <clears throat> because like as you guys can relate like performers we like we're playing a character but we do put like pieces of ourselves in it so it's like it's it it you you feel you feel protective of what you're putting on stage and not only was it so invalidating to my art but it was invalidating to me as a person and it almost made me give up on the work that i was doing in that town because even if you're looking like at this actor on stage like you should be looking at the person doing it and for so many people of that town to claim that they love me like to laugh at my dead body was just like such a nice nice such an extreme juxtaposition of how the world treats dead black people and how our country cheats these black deaths that continue and continue and consistently happen. Um, and so then to tack on again, uh, to bring it back to what we were talking about, about corrections and like taking critiques and listening to your black counterparts. Um, I approached my artistic director, or I was in the lobby after the show and I approached my artistic director and he asked me how opening night was. And I proceeded to say, I was like, well, they laughed at my death. So I just really don't feel awesome. I just don't feel good. And he solely responded with, well, you did your job. And that was it. No support. No, I'm sorry. You're not feeling good. Well, you did your job. And that's where that conversation ended. And so subconsciously, because this was... I was very, 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 very close with this artistic director. I loved this man. I really looked up, up, up to him as like a mentor and how to be an educator and just like trusted him. I really trusted him. Um, and subconsciously like that all fell away in that moment, but I started to consciously realize what was happening in our relationship and why I felt more aware and terror. And it was because of that moment that like my energy and myself all just let it go. And so when we finally had a conversation, um, like bringing back to why our relationship had strain on it, um, post said conversation where I corrected him and critiqued him about that, um, 
he then spent my last year there emotionally and mentally abusing me. Um, and I was administrator of that theater and he made sure that I felt low as low as possible. And he made sure it was, um, as like present and public as possible. Um, any, any chance he could take to undermine me in front of our core company, he did it. Whether I was the choreographer, whether I was a fellow cast member, um, anytime he took to make sure I felt isolated and by myself, he used, um, lies that, um, people felt found me unapproachable they found me dangerous they found that they couldn't um do their job or work with me and just like all this rhetoric of that like black people are told to make them feel and like to make them compliant and it just like it was so disgusting to get like to see this white man turn into this white supremacy that he is naturally and it's ingrained in him and i get that because white men are it's white cis straight white men especially are always used to it going their way and so he spent the entire year beating me down until i fought back um and and that just showed me that like i you you know that everyone um that i had my own limits and that was something that i taught myself but like it's it's just the horrible thing of trying to change the world and you have to be pushed to your limits because you're trying to make the world a better place for everyone and that's just like always a disheartening thing that i um like am and and still like coping and healing from because you know it's just, that's just like never okay and it's never okay for someone that is already putting so much of themselves at risk and has already been at risk of dying and you know that and it's just like these kind it's just a stack on stack on stack on stack on top of like this thing and and so um with that it's just always like it's just a reminder of change like you you have to lead with empathy when you enter these conversations because one if 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 you are if you are entering these conversations with a black person and they're agreeing it with you, that is a favor, not a privilege and not an expectation of that black person because it is not their job to educate you. It's not their job for you to make, be more comfortable. It's not their job for you. It is not, it, it's not their job to serve you in any capacity. Um, and, and that is just it. And so if you are choosing to enter this combat, enter this conversation, Empathy is what you need to lead with because they are going to say some things that frustrate you. And if you take it out on them, you are then the problem and you are just refusing to change. And that's where it starts and that's where it ends is that if we see this refusal change, then like, it's not my job and it's not my right. And it's, it's not your right to, for me to expect me to stay and stay around to try and change you because it's not going to um, be the thing. And, and that's just like what I've been like fighting against so much of as of late and just like shedding all these, like these things that I think, um, a lot of the world and a lot of like these just societal conventions have been, um, expecting us to deal with, um, and like, just like with, and like, I just want to specifically shout out the gay community because that racism is unmatched in my opinion because it is so nuanced in such a blatant way whether it's fetishization whether it's the oppression game of my gayness is 
more visible than your blackness. And so I know how like hard, like I know how hard and my life has been harder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so all of this to say is that the change is coming whether you want to want it to or not. And because it's this, like, I don't, and, and like to head out, head up with Alexis's point, like, I, I still don't really understand why it was George Floyd. I still don't understand. I like why it was George Floyd's point, but like, it's a new different kind of energy from when the black lives matter first started. And that's very, um, uh, comforting in a way for me to see is that it may we we are actually about to go somewhere fully we're about to fully go all the way there where we need to be and um i encourage people to to talk to to um to act to empathize and to support with their um, black counterparts because and just and it's just like the and like remove the rhetoric of getting political because this isn't politics anymore that this has never been about politics it's always been human lives and that is the messed up thing about our country that human lives are so ingrained and in, in so intertwined with politics but that's the problem and so we're burning it down and we're fixing it and that's me <laughs> that's me and that's me <laughs> oh adrian First of all, I just want to say that, like, I, I love what you said about um, just, like, the person that you are to everyone. Like, you you said that you, like, absorb everyone else's problems and, like, you know, like, that's the person. You're the person that, like, people come to, you know, like, you're just, you're that. And I, I want to say that you you have always been that. Um, rock. Yes, that rock. And, like, I just, I think that that is such a beautiful quality and I think that um people take advantage of that and that's not fair but it is the most beautiful quality about you and i've always held it so close to my heart and i love you i appreciate that we get it done i mean it's not okay but like we're 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 working we're striving on how to prevent that from being taken we're moving on yeah and we just and we keep roll tide you know alabama state no i'm just kidding (laughs) roll tide (laughs) i also want to point out in the horrible situation that you were talking about which i still can never get over to this day and i'll never forget that um one of the people that jumped in to assist adrian and help him was a black trans woman who beat, beat the ass beat of that stupid ass. white bouncer. And Can I, I tell hope you, that's you beat ass of this six three fucking meaty ass man tore his ass up. And I hope that man remembers it to to his grave. With with to purse, his grave. Purse on arm, y'all. Purse on arm. Purse on arm. That. And if that's not how we should celebrate Pride this year, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Period. Adrian, thank you so, so, so much for being part of this. I love you with my whole heart. Thank you. I um, love you. Do you, I would love to, like, let everybody know what how they can follow you on social media. Of course. Um, so my Instagram is alexrochelle13. Um 
posting a lot of uh, black queer beautiful content. You love to see oh, it. Yeah. Um, the iconic Twitter um, is um, at it's Addie Roach. Uh, capital I-T-S, capital A-D-D-Y, capital R-O-C-H-E. And um, I'm there clowning, clown clowning, <laughs> doing what I have to do. Um, Iconic clowning. And that's that's just what it is. That's all we do. Yes. So, I love you. I love you too. Keep drinking wine. Keep spilling tea. Always, I will baby. see y'all on the flip. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's that. Goodbye, my love. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> All right, Retta. Hi, what's up? Hi, babes. I'm so good. Thank How are you guys? We're good. We're good. We're sweating. We're yeah. sweating over here. But welcome back to Drink Wine Spill Tea. You Thank may you recognize me. that sweet, sultry voice from Ooh. our episode about side jobs. Ooh, yes. uh, she gave us the whole inside scoop about nanny yeah man nanny. i honestly would what i wouldn't give to take care of a child right now so strange oh, honestly i know so strange right but you good and i have known each other forever forever we grew I, up together good memories crazy crazy so times. crazy okay so retta yes tell us where you're from and where you live right now yeah absolutely and what your job is what my job is. Cool. Well, I was born in New York. I was born on Long Island, New York. So New Yorker at heart. Um, grew up in Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona is huge. So like I grew up in a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, but like I technically grew up in Phoenix. Um, but if you know of Chandler, Arizona, that's where I grew up. And I now live in New York technically, but because of COVID-19, I am quarantining at home in Arizona, in my childhood home, in my childhood room, which is so nuts. Um, but I uh, am, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's strange, but like, I'm trying to figure out how to get back to New York. But I'm here because I was on a cruise ship for so long and I don't have a home in New York. So now I have to move back home to Arizona. So here I am bouncing back and forth. The performing life. Yeah. That performer life. It's, it's real. So you have this space right now. Um, and you can talk about literally anything you want. Um, so talk to us and we just, we and just, just want to listen. We, yeah. We yeah. just want to sit here and listen to anything that you have to say to us and to the world right now. Great. Thank you. One, thank you guys for this platform. Um, you both are so brave and courageous to be vulnerable and put your authentic selves out there every time you guys record. Because anytime you listen to these podcasts, like I know who both of you are. So thank you for that. Thank you for being an ally um, and being a safe space to talk about these things in. Um, thank you for wanting to listen. Thank you for wanting to know more, wanting to learn. I, by no means, know everything. Um, I am a biracial woman who was raised by a white mother. Um, my father was never in the picture, and that's okay. Um, when I was younger, that was hard, but now it's okay. I realize I don't need him. I've never needed him. I don't think people need a mother and a father to be a well-rounded person. Um, I would have loved my father to have been in the picture so that I could have known what it was like to 
grow up in that culture and be immersed in that heritage. Um, I'm the youngest of six on my dad's side. I have three half sisters and two half brothers. Um, I was a aunt 16 weeks or 16 months, sorry, before I was born. Um, I was, a wow. niece. yeah, she's older than I am. Um, and uh, I just, I'm, I'm saddened that I'm, I'm an only child with my mom. I'm her only kid. So it's crazy that I'm the youngest of six on one side of my family, but on the other side, I'm an only child and I could have known all these people, but he was just never around to help bridge that gap. So I'm friends with them on Facebook, but like, you know, I'm 27 years old right now. Like it's really hard to establish those intense close relationships when you are so old in your life, like you've already established these intense relationships and I would of course make room for them if that was what was supposed to happen, but it, it just hasn't been the, the scene, the case. Um, and that's okay. But um, yeah, so me being a biracial woman and growing up in Arizona, a very Republican state. We have recently, since Obama was in um, the White House, we've recently been more purple, which is amazing. And right there, because I'm sorry, Arizona is known for ASU and U of A and NAU, and those are the, some. Those three universities are huge, huge, huge when it comes to especially white kids, but in, with just um, the amount of students that go there. So the fact that we are a state that has so many youngins that we are swaying purple, it's beautiful to see. It's so stunning that we're hopefully this next election, who knows, going to be blue. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm grateful. I still, I'm registered to vote still in Arizona because I think Arizona needs my vote a lot more than New York does. I love you, New York, and you will always have my heart. But I'm, as long as Arizona can have my vote, I'm going to give Arizona my vote. They need it. They so need my open-mindedness. It's not even being a liberal. I feel like at this rate, why do we have Democratic and Republican? Like Those two sides don't, don't mean shit. Like what, what were even those original definitions of how someone was a Republican and how someone was a Democrat? Like whatever those original definitions are we're not following that anymore so why don't we just scratch it all like right now we're seeing a revolution happen before our eyes which is incredible like we're living through one a huge pandemic that the last time this has happened i mean like sars was not not even 20 years ago but even before that was the spanish flu and that was over a hundred years ago but like when did we think in our lifetime, not only are we living through a world pandemic, we're now living through a revolution that America started, but it's being seen throughout the world. Like the whole world is marching with Americans, which is special because Americans take from the world. So you would think that no one would want to stand with us, but that's where it's so beautiful that you can see how minuscule, how small the negative um, energy is in this whole thing. Like it's, it's, it speaks volumes. I'm not going to say that it doesn't speak volumes, but the fact that the entire world spoke up and said, yo, 
George Floyd dying, like that was the cherry on top of an already huge ice cream sundae. Like, I'm sorry, our ice cream sundae for what's been going on has to have had at least a thousand scoops of ice cream. Like every day on Instagram, which I love that Instagram has this powerful connection with people that like, even if it's as simple as one person shares a story of a picture of somebody that died even five years ago, and it's a story that we never heard because the media is censored, which fucking sucks to begin with. But let's say that I'm learning something new about someone who died five years ago. At least now that person's name I can say every day, and it's known through my lips. So, like, they didn't die in vain. Like, justice will be served for them because someone knows their name. I think that's been the hardest part is the whole say their name. Everyone's just dying in a, in a um, um, faceless, no name sense. But it's like, this has been happening for so long. Like there's even, um, uh, if either of you have watched 13th, mm-hmm. um, there is a story in 13th. I wish I knew this man's name and I'm so sorry that I don't. But he got arrested for I want to say some like maybe having like the smallest bit of pot on him if even I might be being terrible and making it about drugs but he was arrested he was wrongfully charged he was in jail for like three years and there were foot there was footage of him just getting beaten by by the the officers in there and by fellow inmates and I just discovered from a friend because I shared that I had watched that. She was like, oh, if you really liked this person's story, well, please go um, and watch this documentary series. And it's called Time on Netflix, T-I-M-E. And it's about his story. And it's a mini documentary series that came out like four years ago. It It was never on my radar before. And it's about this guy's story. And it's sad because he, after he got released from jail, he hung himself. He ended his life because he still, it didn't matter. Like, these people are getting put in jail. There's no rehabilitation um, courses or structure or anything set up for them when they're in prison. So it's already a flawed system. Like they're putting them in jail. It's literally like they're caging these these humans. They're literally still caging and shackling my brothers and sisters. And there's no ex- there's no explanation. It's like they're. And the only, the only thing that I can really come down to is there's an intimidation factor. Like white people, white men, um, and I hate saying white people, and, 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 and because I know both of you are, are Caucasian, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, every white person is a part of this because they're not. Now, maybe you can say you need to check your privilege because you have the ability to not protest or to not march, or you can just donate money and you don't have to lift a finger. Like that's a completely different thing. And that is where, sure, I I think that if you can march, you should be marching. But then, catch 22, COVID-19. So if you're going to risk your life because you want to be marching for the people who were wrongfully murdered, but now I'm putting my life at risk. 
And then if I live at home with someone who's high risk, then I'm putting their life at risk. So it's just this vicious cycle right now of I want to protest. I want to be out there. I want to be using my voice for good. I want to be speaking up because I matter and the people that I love matter as well. But if I do that, I can be putting my life at risk. And I've already been quarantined for so long where I haven't been around. I've, I have not interacted with that many people in four, three months. Like I, the first time I went to the grocery store, I almost had a panic attack because it was so, it was too much. There were too many people around me. It was too extra. It was too much. And so, yeah. And even then, when you go to a grocery store, you're putting the worker's life at risk. So it's, it's again, it's just a whole total crazy vicious cycle that is discouraging, disheartening. I hope there's an end. I hope we see even more justice. We're, we're fucking making, we are, we are turning tables. We are making noise. We are being heard, which is so good. We're living through another civil rights movement. Like what? I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. I can't believe it. And me being a biracial woman who does not look very ethnic, I think, unfortunately, I have my whole life wished that I was a little darker. Um, you know, we always want what we can't have. The grass is always greener. So for someone else to look at me, they would be like, but you don't look black, whatever the fuck that even means, you know. Yeah, it is. It This time right now, what we're going through is insane. And I am doing my best every day to show up for myself and show up for everyone that I consider to be valued. Not even people that I know, but just someone that I will value their breath and the fact that they deserve to breathe every day. Because, of course, when you say Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. That's not the point. It's just we have Black Lives Matter is the forefront right now because that's really, I just think it's crazy. We literally are watching murders on TV because of cell phones. Like, yeah, the fact that we, we I mean, I don't know if you two watch the video or if anyone has watched the video who listens, but. The fact that you can watch a video of someone being murdered is insane. That's insane. That's so, that is truly insane. Not, not even a movie. It's not a movie. It's real life. So I thank you both so much for this space. Um, I hope that what I had to say might mean something to anyone or, um, jolt something in someone that they didn't even think possible or raise a question that I don't know, maybe I need to be educated more because I don't know. I'm, I, like I said, I'm being raised from my incredible white mother um, who did everything she could to make sure that I felt connected to, to who I was. Um, she did a great job, hundred percent an amazing job, but yeah, yeah, it's nuts. This world's nuts guys. That's such a cool perspective though, that, Thank you. you. Yeah, I mean. And thank you for being so honest and 
for taking the time to come on our podcast. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It really means a lot. I want to say I looked up that um, documentary that you were talking about. Um, yeah, I tried to look it up through the 13th, but I couldn't find it. But then you said um, it was called Time. But um, Khalif Browder? Yes, that's his name. Okay, cool. Khalif so, Browder? I think K-A-L-I-E-F. And then his last name is B-R-A or B-R-O-W. Yeah. D-E-R. And the, the documentary is called Time, the Khalif Browder Story. And it was released this year. So, Retta, you're seriously the best. Thank you so, so much. Um, what you have to say is super important, and we're glad that you took the time to talk to us about it. Um, we love you. Is there anything else that you want to say before we sign off? Um, I just want to say, please stay safe. Stay sane. Reach out to your loved ones if you need love, support, guidance, um, a friend to talk to, catch up with. Like, don't forget that we're all a community together. And even though times are really tough and hard, don't forget that we're not alone. Like, no one is alone. No one is ever alone. So don't think you are. Even me, we might not even know each other. But if you listen to this and if you related to what I had to say, please reach out. I love communicating Communication is key. That is like my motto. So like, if you want to communicate with me, I am here to listen. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much, Retta. We love you. Love you guys. Thank you so much. All right, cool. So next up, we have my good friend and former college roommate, actor, dancer, singer, (laughs) pain in my ass, (laughs) Nathaniel Washington. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? (laughs) CJ's also a pain in the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we lived together for two years in college. He's like my my brother. He's like my family, but... Um, it was really <laughs> marvelous. I mean, I mean, I met your family. I remember the first time I met your family was, what, when we were freshmen or something? Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah. I never really had a college room where I was going to your house and stuff like that. Was, like, I know, was yeah. Very, we, very invited. We became family. We, we really did. did. We really did. Um, all right, so this is your time. Talk mm-hmm. to us about whatever you want. We're just going to sit back and listen to you. All right. Well, basically, I feel like there's been a lot going on social media lately, and a lot of people have, I guess, taken the next step, and there's been a lot of people posting things, and I've, I've seen a, a growth in my non-Black friends, you know, kind of an awakening of, oh, there's been a lot going on, and it's it's good to see. Um, it definitely feels different. It was when the coronavirus started, I feel like everyone was in a different headspace. There were a lot of people who were kind of just in their houses and stuff, and then... I think after the the death of George Floyd and then right before George Floyd was Ahmaud Aubrey. And I think these deaths have kind of triggered a revolution, you could say. And not just New York, I mean, <laughs> the world. And it's funny because a lot of this stuff, yeah, has been going on for a long time. Like a lot of Black artists and a lot of, I guess, you know, Black musicians have been speaking up on different things that they felt and I know a lot of people have been speaking up for a while now but it's good to know that we're being listened to and it's good to know that people are listening to you know because black lives matter the whole thing about black lives matter is not saying that black lives are more important it's not saying that black lives are less what we're saying is we just deserve to be treated with the same respect as they would treat another life and so and I, I've had a lot of friends you know question me like well why does it seem like everyone's posting so much about black lives? Like nothing really that bad is happening. Like, and I think that comes from, you know, people not being aware or trying to, sometimes you can be so secluded in areas that you don't see what's going on on social media. So um, 
with me, it's like I, I've, I'm an actor, like you said. CJ and I have roomed together. We've known each other for a long time. And you know that I'm a honest person. I never had would steal anything or anything like that. But this is true. This goes without saying. Like, if I go into a store even today, like if I were to walk into a bodega, I would have even now like this anxiety that they think I'm about to steal something. And I know I'm not going to, I know I I don't need to, I have the money to, but there was one time when we were in college, we were at the, where, where do we go to get, we used to get polar pops from all the time. Oh, Circle K. Circle K. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you, there was one time I went there and I can't remember what exactly I was doing. I was over my back pocket where I picked up a pack of Skittles and the, the cashier or the lady, she thought that I, I, putting it in my pocket and she literally grabbed my arm she was like she's like hey put that back what are you doing and mind you i was just scratching my back pocket and then afterwards she she was like oh and she just like she felt embarrassed i'm like this is i mean it's just one thing that we tend to go through a lot and for me it's like i'm a like you said an actor and you know i have a job so i don't need to do all those things but it's just Sometimes you just have this anxiety, especially black men, this anxiety of going places and when you're doing nothing wrong, you just have a feeling that people think you're doing something wrong and you're not. And for me, that happens almost, yeah, anytime I go and I, I buy something, but I'm just, I'm glad that people are, are, are listening now when, you know, I went to an, a, a, a predominantly white high school and which was fine. My mother went to the same high school I went to back in, in New York, Indiana. And I remember my, the four years being in high school, I was never really thinking about race. It was never about race. It was because people there, they thought I was funny. I was like, I was the black kid that could dance. You know, I was like, <laughs> people really thought I was funny. So, <laughs> and there were a lot of things that were said to me that I probably back then should have been like, well, you probably shouldn't say that. But to me, I was mainly trying to just fit in in that area and just and have friends. And I, I was never really thinking about, oh, um, I mean, I guess I knew I was one of the few black kids at the school, but I was it was never like something always on my mind. I probably didn't really start thinking about that until after I graduated high school and I went to college and it was just way more diverse. The school was like 50-50, it's like half black, half white. So, and I began to have more black friends. So I think I was, I was starting to think back on things that happened in high school. And, you know, you can have a black friend that you probably don't even know that has gone through experiences like I've gone through. Um, when I was in high school, this is something I do remember. I can tell you two instances in high school that one time I was with my three white friends from choir. We were we went to McDonald's in Evansville, which is like the big city. It was like late at night. I don't remember what we were doing. It was like it was like 3.34. It was really late, but the McDonald's was like 24-7. And we went in there and we're sitting down at the table and this elderly white man comes up to us and he says to three of them, he was like, he started like congratulating. He was like, "That's so good for you." He was like, "He was like, wow." He was like, "You guys are friends with him." He was like, "That's so good to see." He was like, "Wow, like, congratulations." That's just wow. And then, and then he had the nerve. After that, he was like, "But I'm not racist. Like, I, I, I'm not a racist." He was, then he started to show me pictures of him and these kids from Africa on his phone. He was like, "But look, me and my wife, like, we go to Africa like all the time. Like, but we're like, I'm not a racist." Like, and and I remember. At the time, like in my mind, like I was like kind of like, what is happening right now? And my friends were like, they weren't really saying anything. It's not that they were like not trying to say. It. I think they were just kind of in shock. Like, and then when he started showing us pictures on his phone, they're like, what? <laughs> what? 
And then I don't even, it was just such a weird, it was just so random. And I'm like, why is, why is the first thing you need to say, you see these, these young men out, why is the first thing you have to know is, oh, great, they have a black friend. That's so awesome. And that's just like, it's like, it's 2020. Like there's, I, I got into an argument with one of my friend's moms in high school because she was like, well, it's been 60 years. She's like, she was like, I'm not saying that, 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 that nothing has changed, but she was like, a lot has changed. And I'm, I was like, well, yeah, a lot has changed, but a lot hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that, that is still the same. Like that same year when I was, after we graduated, my friend, Katie, it was her her younger brother's graduation party. I think they were like three years younger than us. So he ended up having a combined graduation party with a bunch of other kids in his class. It was like five or six of them. And I went there and yes, I was the only black person there, which was fine. And I really wasn't thinking anything of it. And then one of the moms started talking to me and I think a lot of the parents were drinking so they really didn't realize what they were saying. And she was like, Oh, I, I, was, I was telling her, because this is before I moved to New York. I was like, oh, I just, I'm about to move to New York City, and, you know, I'm a dancer, yada, yada, yada. And she started talking. She's like, oh, I love Broadway, like, a theater, everything like that. Somehow, off of that comment, she got on to, oh, well, she's like, well, you're a dancer. She's like, well, see, she started talking about my muscles. She was like, well, your muscles, she was like, well, I'm guessing, like, black people just, you can't swim, right? She's like, I'm assuming you can't swim. Like, black people, and then she was like, well... Black people, you guys are just not made to stay above the water. Your muscles are just, they're very, they're very dense. Like, and I, I, I was like, I know this lady's drinking, but I'm like, I literally felt like I was in Get Out. Like, I thought I was in the movie Get Out. Like, and then she, she was like, so serious. She was like, well, I mean, that's why like people can't swim. Like, you're, you're just not made to float, really. And then she, she was like, so serious. And that's the thing. Like, she literally wasn't even hearing what she was saying. Like. Why are you telling me this? Why why is the first thing to have a conversation? She's trying to make conversations, so the only thing she can seem to have a, a normal conversation to do is, is talk about my race. That's how she thinks it's going to make me feel more comfortable with her. If she dresses my race, meaning, oh, I'm not a racist person, so let me bring up your race, because that means I'm not racist because I'm talking about that you're black. And I'm like, back then, I should have said something, but this is before I think I... I guess I understood the microaggressions that I had been dealing with for years in that in that city, and and I'm sure my mom has dealt with a lot of stuff too because, like I said, she went to the same high school I went to, and then I know that when she got older, she left and she moved to Atlanta, which is predominantly black, and I know that you know, and then she moved back there. But it's funny because you wouldn't think, oh well, there's probably things that she went through that I probably went through the exact same way, just in the year 2013 or 2014 and to have someone say to me well yeah things have gotten but yes you can't say that things are the exact same that things have not gotten better but you can't say that things are 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 fine because <laughs> if you really think about it the things with things with races it's not going to go away I, honestly sad sad thing it's not going to go away this year no racism is not just going to go away in 2020 it's going to take more time but the fact that it's being addressed and the fact that more people are now talking about the racism that is currently happening in America is, it just means that more eyes are, are okay. And it's not it's not black people versus white people, it's black people versus racist. And if you're not racist, you know that. And if you're racist, you feel like, oh, well, it's black people versus white people. That's not it. It's, it's black people versus racist. And it's about our white allies terminating any type of white supremacists, any type of 
racist stuff. It just needs to be it needs to be torn out because that's not what you can't you can't have um, a country that is built on all these things that oh well people love black culture and all these different things. People love rappers and Missy Elliott and and they love seeing all these these really cool black artists and then not like black people. And that goes the same too with with black people with us. We we have to support our um our trans our black trans people. Like we can't say that oh well white people um are discriminating towards us when we discriminate towards our own people. Like there are so many people of color that discriminate towards people of color that are in the LGBT community. And it's really bad. It's it's really bad to it on more so on the male side, but we have to also acknowledge that too because it's those 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 trans people, those those gay, those less, they're a part of our community as well. And so you can't you can't be fighting for equal rights for all Black Lives Matter and then oh but only for the straight Black Lives that Matter. You know? That's <laughs> That, that then you're you're going then you you're not making sense. So that's also something I think people should um, think about too. Um, yeah, I mean I think you, you can ask any black person before they're and this is something that I'm saying. I think you can ask any black person before they're the age of five when they get older if they they've experienced racism. They they probably have before the age of four or five. And it's little things that they probably didn't even realize because you don't realize until you get older, but. If you go or go to go back and think like, yeah, that that was probably racist. And I probably didn't even think about that. But um yeah, I mean, it's all I can do is just like I I can't stress enough, like it's only I can only do so much with telling people to open their eyes. Like if they don't want to see it, they're not going to. You know what I mean? If if you care enough and if you if you care enough about your friends being treated equally, you'll say something. You know? And I've had friends from many of friends from high school that I've had to block and unfriend um, because of this. Because I won't put up with it. I really won't. I won't have people in my face telling me, "I love you." Like, like you are you are my friend. Like, blah blah blah. And then you see people, black people being killed on the internet and are just fine with living their daily life. You're fine with going about your day, getting getting what you need to do, and are just gonna chill because you're not affected by it. And if you're not affected by it. And you're willing to do nothing, then you're not you're not here for me. And so that's why I've had to unfriend people. That's why I believe because you're 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 lying because you're not you're not here for me because there are other people that look just like me that are being killed. So yeah, that gave me the what that, <laughs> that really like gave me goosebumps like that. That's yeah. I mean it's it's the truth. That's I mean powerful. yeah, it's it's the truth. You can't say I I, I would do anything for you and then no. sitting at and sitting around, and it's not even about. It's not even about. There's certain things I get. People are like, "Well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk about it." I'm, you just you, you you even wanting to do or say something. Okay, that's that's a start, right? You can't just see everything that's going on and just be like, "Well, there's nothing I can do. Put my phone down." Like there are there are, there are plenty of things to do. Just just even talking to your family about it, talking to your grandparents about it. Seeing like the little things that your your mom or dad do that if you think they might be, just saying something, you know, being like, that's bad, that's wrong, like that's something. Like you feel like, well, well, I don't know any black people, so there's not really much there's nothing I can do because I'm white and I'm fine and you know, there's always something. You have a fam you know, there's a family member, there's someone who who might not see things the way you see things. Like the generation now, I feel like we just 
we were born into. I think, okay, here's what I think. I think <laughs> a lot what helped is we don't realize this, but a lot of media, a lot of our, our education, what we get is growing up is watching television, right? And I feel like the generations before us, a lot of what they saw was a lot of these, a lot of TV shows that were kind of depicted, not racist things, but it was, it depicted the time. So we grew up with a lot of like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon where we saw like these famous stars, but they were black, like Raven Simone. She was just really cool black girl that everybody wanted to be and they had episodes that talked about race so we were growing up and we were learning but our brains were also watching oh different people of color being the same shows together and then we had like cheetah girls we had like all these different things that our generation was lucky enough to get so naturally our brains are just like well why are people we had these we had these idols but they were black so you know it's like so why are people still i think in our minds we were like well racism is kind of over right Mm-hmm. When, we were, when we were in high school, like we like we did the stuff in history class, but also history is only taught from really one perspective. <laughs> no, history is taught that yes, our Black history starts when we were slaves, pretty much. And so when we when we go home after school, and you had all these different friends, like the first thing you did when you go home sometimes was watch Cartoon Network, you watch Nickelodeon, or and it, it, there were a lot of Black stars, and it was people that you could look up to. I think that helped our generation kind of. Um, it kind of really, it, it kind of was a big blow to racism in a sense of like, we just weren't brought up in the same way that generations before were brought up. I mean, lynchings are still happening in the 70s. Hey, lynchings are happening in 2020. So, I mean, we just weren't brought up seeing, I feel like those, those certain media, right? And I feel like media does affect your brain in a sense. We were just brought up seeing, I think, different shows that had different look of color that and it's like and, and those people that we watched it's kind of like they were our friends too like all these different shows like we're like I want to be friends with them like they're cool right so yeah I, I think that and now it's like us people are our age now we are we have to be the um, we're kind of the adults here if you think about it because the people that are older than us are the ones that have been fighting and, and they are kind of lost in the sense of I feel like some of them don't know what to do the people that are few generations older maybe they, they've given up I feel like we, we have to be the leaders in this and make the change because we're going to be the future I love that yeah. well thank yeah. you yeah. Nathaniel yes for absolutely. being so vulnerable and just like sharing all of that it, it resonates I mean it's so it's important I yeah. think people need to hear it yeah. so yeah. yeah thank you you're welcome thank you for having me drinking wine is feeling <laughs> <tea>. drinking <laughs> vodka slushies and spilling tea <laughs> Do you want to share your social media so everyone can follow you? Yes, yes. My Insta is Nathaniel J. Washington. Uh, look out for me. I got some new music dropping this summer. Oh. Some very R&B jazz vibes. Yes. You know, kind of, so different type of artist, you know, not your typical artist. Something yes. in a little different spectrum. Yeah. I know. Well, perfect. Sign up. Thank you to our wonderful guests for being so vulnerable. For our listeners, the work is never over and it's time for us to do better. We hope this has helped and we will all strive to continue learning and growing together. This will be our last episode in the Black Lives Matter set. And while we will continue to post weekly episodes, we will not stop learning, listening, and fighting. Until next time.